gentlemen, Trees and Non-Binaries, another episode of The Hostile Takeover, the weekly show where I, Adam Rathy, is a tinkerer and a very special guest, talk about our favourite things in the world of gaming, be they a PC, console, tabletop, and everything in between. Those of you listening to us through our Patreon support, thank you again for your continued love and admiration. As you well know, you'll get extended, unedited episodes of every podcast right here on our Patreon, nice and prompt and fresh, as well as advanced written content from the entire Fantastic Universe's team. Uh, as wondrous and long and as strange as the chatter that uh, my guest and I have on this show, yes, you would get all of it by signing up to our Patreon. If you're not there yet, do give us your time and attention. If you can spare the simoleons, it would mean us a great deal. But in any case, we've blasted all across the multiverse with some of our chatter as of last week, and now we have returned to the regular segment where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons, the game that started me out as a content creator. For those who've been listening quite eagle-eyed, we covered the first part, and I say part very noticeably because I realised this before we went live, the first part of the Player's Handbook on our last instalment, and now we're going to talk about the second part of the Player's Handbook, but I am just one strange person in the ether talking things, I dare not talk about this alone. Essie, founder and forger of Aaron Spencer Productions, how are you, miss? I am very well. Hello, Adam. A question for you. Does this mean that your patrons get that banter about Edward James Olmos and Ron Perlman? Oh, that's exactly what they would get if they were to Fantastic. sign up Patreon. <laughs> they hear our test phrases, but I won't divulge anything further. This would be something for our dear patrons to learn to see behind the veil and the misty curtains to see what happens before we go live of a Perfect. session. But in any case, uh, as I said at the opening of the uh, of the episode, I say the first part because I miscounted. I don't know how to numbers good because uh, there are 12 classes in the original player's handbook for 5th edition of Dungeons and Dragons. But in the previous episode, we talked about seven of them. We talked about Barbarian to Paladin, which leaves us with another five to talk about for this episode. But I think it works out because the last five classes are ones that you and I love very heavily and could talk a little about in a bit more detail i would say yeah it gives us time to talk about the best classes in the game Ooh. or at least the Ooh, last four fired. best classes in the game shots fired <laughs> okay wow start hitting it strong okay um well before we get to the heavy magic users of dungeons and dragons we have to slog through some of the uh to quote joe to quote joe cat one of the bisexual classes and I think that's a good way to do it because it's got the martial stuff of fighter into the nature magic of druid. And that is the ranger, the class that has somewhat suffered under public opinion with the Dungeons and Dragons community, but still a class that I hold with some good esteem. So yeah. So many memes. So many memes. So many memes. They're a class I've always likely enjoyed the idea of, and there's been several of them at my tables for as long as I've been a game master, but yeah, in 5th edition, they've sort of had a troubled time, haven't they, Rangers? Yeah, I mean, Rangers get a lot of flack, but I myself am guilty of trying it out, not really liking it. I didn't generate any memes from it, but I am definitely one of those people in the camp where it would probably be a more genuinely enjoyable experience, gameplay-wise, to play a fighter with archery. <laughs> or a rogue scout which is one of the most fun classes i've ever played but we'll yes. get to that when we yeah, get to rogue we'll get to that when we get to rogue because i have ranger rogue. is just i have quite i have quite good stories about the rogue scout as well but in any case yeah, yeah the ranger there's a lot of it's a weird class 
it's mechanically when, mechanically it's because the first version of ranger just the one that's actually ruled down and printed in the player's handbook was the one that was sort of going to be exemplifying the exploration side of the fifth edition they said that they wanted to build fifth edition oh around, that makes sense they wanted to build fifth edition around social interaction exploration and combat and ranger was going to be that class because they made it to have that love and attention to a specific sort of biome to use a mm-hmm. borrowed minecraft term um but if the story of the campaign doesn't take place anywhere near that biome the ranger sort of sitting on the sidelines right. really useless but yeah and it's just mechanically again they gave everything you know all of the the bonuses that you would expect to see from from a class like this they gave them to other classes to use in their subclasses and for their features okay. and ranger was kind of almost seems like that the ranger class was stripped bare to use for other classes and they kept that exploration theme going but i mean that only like you said accounts for so much it's just still to this day kind of scratching my scratching my head and even with some of the additions uh, gloomstalker is a ranger subclass right i always get yeah. that confused with rogue no it is um gloomstalker ranger. yeah that one's cool but still that's you know almost like too little too late it seems somewhat i feel like the reputation sort of sunk in at this point which is a little unfortunate it's a case of we the player base knows that there's somewhat of a disconnect of um the fighter with the bow but with some sort of nature magic but also the the exploration and that side of things and then there's the very clunky initial rules set around the the beast companion because there's the the uh, the rangers the the other player's handbook ranger subclass would be the one that just gets all of these very specific sort of targeted fighting techniques against certain kinds of monsters which is another hard thing to balance which feels very fourth edition to me as someone who's played uh someone who survived quite a bit of fourth edition unfortunately there's well there were already problems with ranger and i think that the meme culture surrounding the hunter from world of warcraft when it was so popular in its heyday when fifth edition came out it didn't help that around the same time the hunter class specifically the beastmaster and the ranger were both useless at the same time so i think that also encouraged some of the meme culture at the time unfortunately but yeah to an extent i can i can sort of see that and feel that which is a a real shame because the idea of the class is something that's really cool i love the idea of the actual just the the martial expert that is that in tune with nature but is still connected to civilization like there's that that bridge that a druid would need to get back into uh, back into society the ranger sort of has that but is still a physical threat but there's a lot of elements of what the class did mechanically that just didn't really connect which is a i feel personally is a bit of a shame absolutely and i mean i really don't have too much input on the ranger because i've never actually particularly played a ranger for many of the reasons that we just went over but perhaps you have a little bit more experience not sure not in play but i now that i think about it there has been a ranger at my table for almost okay. every extended campaign that i've de- that I've dungeon mastered so i've seen quite the spectrum i've seen um people with chips on their shoulders who've gone on to become very important figures of society i've seen confused souls who've found catharsis from their own ptsd in the hands or the paws of a, a large panther i've seen um people who've abandoned civilization to go out and live 
in the wilderness as this like feral nature child and was then chosen by the by the gods of the gods of the greenery but still goes on to just do that sort of deal anyway um yeah there's a very interesting character sandy if you're listening to this thank you for that treat yeah the the ranger has a lot of good ideas but uh the opportunities to make them truly great have been stolen away from them but uh something that is particularly good at stealing and something that's a pillar and vision of fantasy fiction at least in my mind is that of the rouge because i will auto correct every go, baby. person Woo. who says rouge on social media and i'm like oh that's it that's it that's an gonna... easy typo yeah it's an easy i made it typo. once when i was uh i made it once when i was in fifth grade and i never did it again you that you can be taught not that i say that I, you couldn't be but you can be taught but still it's uh i don't know man i i i studied literature a long time so really obvious typos like that are just ones that i'll just like be like her about but still <laughs> circling back to the class themselves the shifty shifty stabby stabbers there in the night with the black cloaks and the uh, tragedy backstories tragedy backstories is that a mixture of tragic, edgy? You backstories? just made up a new word. There you go. But it fits them. The, 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 tra- yeah, the tragic stories. We make, you know, we make up new words all the time on this podcast. It's totally fine. We just roll with it. No big deal. It's it's all good. <laughs> it is all good. But still, uh, rouges, as we say. Yes, rouges. Uh, you know, I, I I hate to be I hate to be a hypocrite for anyone that has known me for a long, long time. Uh, to any of my friends, you know, from years ago that might be listening. Uh, there is to me a distinct difference between playing a rogue in a video game and playing a rogue in Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if that if that is unusual, uh, but I cannot stand rogues and stealthy characters in video games. But I very, very much enjoy playing rogues in Dungeons and Dragons. I think it has something to do with my competitive nature because D&D is a cooperative game and if myself or my allies are being stealthy and sneaky I enjoy it in a cooperative sense but in a general sense of genuine human competition I tend to get very very angry and very very rageful if my heavily armored character my cleric or my paladin or my warrior fighter barbarian is killed by someone who is quite literally invisible, uh, who just comes up and stabs me, and then I am dead and I can't do anything about it. Uh, That is, to me, the most rage-inducing thing on the planet. Uh, And the question is, does that make me a hypocrite? What's the disconnect? Can we talk about the disconnect? Or is talking about video games and how they relate to D&D too far off topic? No, 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 no. This is fascinating. This is truly fascinating. (laughs) I want to to unpack this in many ways. Okay, all right. In all of the ways, because like I, this way of thinking, I have a couple of hot takes that are probably correct. I'm going to just <laughs> throw out the obvious one. You've probably not partaken of games such as Assassin's Creed, Thief, any of the Hitman titles, none of those, because those are those are anything by Tom Clancy, because those are all pinnacles of stealth games. Black Flag. I loved Black Flag, but Black that was Flag, more of Black, yeah, Black high Flag's seas, cannon, swashbucklers, swashbuckler yeah. rogue. There were. There Go were ahead. Elements. I'm sorry. I was talking over no, you. No, no. There were. That's okay. That's okay. There are elements of the stealth element to Black Flag, but Black Flag's somewhat of a redhead stepchild in that in that fandom. Um, hmm. People love it, but it's 
where the style of the games very much started to diverge. So there's elements <laughs> of the stealthiness to it, but it's very easy to ignore. I'm a purist. I love the early Assassin's Creed because they were stealth games. They did punish you for moving too quickly or drawing your weapon too early. And I, I did play like the was, original yeah. and Brotherhood, and they are both really amazing. And I didn't even think of those when I was describing it. I'm thinking more of MMOs or uh, any any type of game like that. I, you know, I think mostly MMOs is what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rage, just the pure, the pure deep seated digging up trauma rage that comes from someone just surprising you and the fact that you can't do anything about it because they lock you down that just mm. (laughs) so for that reason i'm going to presume uh another game that unites us also made by wizards magic the gathering i'm going to presume you don't like playing against heavy blue decks (laughs) you know i'm still somewhat new to magic but again because I was introduced to Ravnica through D and D, I like the I like the lore a lot behind Demir, and I play a Demir operative in our D and D Ravnica game, and it's so exhilarating and liberating. And but again, cooperative game. I, I myself played Blue in uh, third, fourth, and fifth edition of Magic: The Gathering before I took it. 15 to 20 year hiatus. <laughs> yeah. um, I really liked the counter spell and the small sort of roguelike creatures. I still have a couple of blue decks. I really enjoy blue white um, for the magical sort of the, uh, the clerics and paladins, but also combined with the roguish type, uh, you know, the roguish type individuals. But again, I don't play arena for that reason, because I know it would probably be as rage inducing as World of Warcraft or Guild Wars or Dark Age of Camelot or any of the other MMOs that I had grown up with and played, um, World of Warcraft is a is a particularly rage-inducing game when it comes to uh, rogues specifically. Understandably so, and that's um, that was where my uh, my surmising sort of went through um, because blue decks fundamentally somewhat play to that playstyle. They play to I I will have the answers. You will deal with me, and unfortunately, that is also how I enjoy playing. Hence, my screen name is a Tinkerer Blue Red mm-hmm. is doing very silly <laughs> things on Arena right now that I do not encourage you dabbling in because if those things <laughs> tilted you before, who oh boy? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm talking about this out loud, and I think it's just that uh, I have a deep seated hatred of the World of Warcraft. <laughs> Well, and how many years I sunk into it? Yeah, I I feel that sort somewhat somewhat towards um, Blizzard at present because of their very questionable mm-hmm. business practices. But uh, well, things seem to be getting better in favor of the employees, slowly but surely. Because good for the employees for not giving up well, and for keeping at it. Uh, small small steps, hopefully for big changes. That will be good. I sincerely hope so. But in any case, circling back to the main topic, I guess. Uh, not feeling stealth games is a reasonable feeling. Um, the essence of Dungeons and Dragons is that we are still in the cooperative game, so you can rely on mm-hmm. others big braining the quietness for you. You're not as encouraged to be like truly silent like you are in an MMO or 
That's right. Well, yeah. it's, you know, my, uh, you know, I think my boyfriend would say, why, why do you enjoy playing rogue so much? Aren't you the, aren't you the person that went on, you know, a week long tirade about the types of people that play rogues, a really nasty tirade about people who play rogues in World of Warcraft. And I was like, yes, but yes, again, please. different situation. And he's like, you're kind of a hypocrite. And I'm like, Emma, this this is a good conversation. I like that we're talking about this no, now because I'm like D and D is different. It is different. different. It is different. Talk about the differences. What do you think are the big highlighted differences? Oh my god. Um, okay, so there's a difference between between completely locking someone down and not allowing them the chance to respond in a competitive situation um, for a very for a very brief period of time and getting completely invested into a character that you have developed that has the ability to cooperatively work with your friends in a, in a situation that is tried and true stress relief, right? D and D is stress relief for many, many of us, if not all of us. And it's, it's the ability to, to explore, you know, that type of stealthy assassin or that the scout or the, uh, the thief without knowing that you are ruining someone's day or having your day be ruined in a competitive environment where if you lose that particular match or scenario, you're either you're either humiliated publicly in front of however many people or you just have wasted 20 to 30 minutes of your time in a battleground with which at the end you receive absolutely nothing and you'll never get those 30 hours of your life back because there's X amount of rogues who lock X amount of people down for the entire thing and not allow them to do or utilize the abilities that they have spent weeks and months cultivating, crafting, and perfecting. Because uh, there's always someone better, right? And there's always someone who is playing professionally or is sponsored or vice versa. Uh, I, I, again, I just have really strong feelings about World of Warcraft PvP. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, that's it's for that reason that I personally don't dabble with that genre too much and I don't dabble, with, don't allow. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons PvP because you can get similar sort of things between people who know the rule sets well. And that's uh, well, I've been clean for a couple of years now, almost two years, clean, free, clean and free of World of Warcraft, or about a year and a half, something like that. Clean's a very interesting uh, turn of phrase for it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's a, if you're if you can't tell just from listening to me talk about World of Warcraft, it was, it was a problem for me. It was a competitive problem. And just kind of breaking into that competitive bracket was uh, probably one of the most stressful experiences of my life. I've never played a game that was so rage-inducing before. Even if you're even if you're playing with friends, you know, and they just they un they unleash a combo on you and you're like, Well, I guess I'm just not gonna do anything with my character. So guess I'll die. Like the, like the <laughs> guess I'll die, yeah. <laughs> George Carlin. He's got some problems uh, himself, but the meme is good. Uh, yeah, yeah, but in, but still, uh, Dungeons and Dragons <sighs> rogues are nothing like that. They are very proactive. Yes, they deal immense amounts of damage very suddenly, which has the element of the "I'm going to enforce my will on you" sort of deal. Yes, but it's done with intent, and you're aware of it, and because it's cooperative, there's no digging around of other players. Yes, yes, and usually you're fighting some. Most of the time, you're fighting some objectively greater evil, yeah, um, rather than sort of a competitive battlefield. Yeah, 
that's the sort of the joy of Dungeons and Dragons is that it's a um, it's an infinite game to use game theory terms, which we'll come back to a, in a later time. It's, I could talk about yes. the actual game theory <laughs> behind Dungeons and Dragons quite a bit. The rogue in D and D, and again, my boyfriend would call me a hypocrite, but now I argue because I say I've been clean from World of Warcraft for almost two years. Now. Uh, the rogue is one of my absolute favorite all-time classes in D and D. Just the ability to to be that big burst of damage for your party to sneak in the shadows that Assassin's Creed uh, feel. And we have the swashbuckler now, which is, uh, no, it's not that great, but that's the pirate fantasy. Uh, and with the ranger, you have the Legolas or the, you know, the other insert generic fantasy archer hero trope. There's so many of those tropes where you can just feel cool and feel incredible to be that ninja warrior uh, parkour type of, uh, type of individual who's leaping around on rooftops in similar fashion to the monk, uh, just leaping from rooftop to rooftop, sliding down the rope, picking the lock, disarming the trap, being that utility master, being able to scout ahead and and be the one that that deals with the traps and is the forward scout. There's just a lot of opportunity for just pure fun. It's just fun fun gameplay in D&D. It's fun, again, to do cartwheels down the ramp and swing your blades around in a flourish, very Black Widow, even from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just, you feel like a boss. You feel like a badass. It's incredibly satisfying to be able to, like, I think the nerdarchy guys refer to them as the skill monkey. Yeah. <laughs> but that's inherently what they are. They bring that level of versatility, which I think is fundamentally what or the ranger could have been but wasn't mm -hmm. the uh the joy of the skill versatility was something i really felt when i was uh we were talk talking a bit about uh scout rogues mm -hmm. about how like they are the nat the naturey rogues almost sort of the rogue is the rogue scout is a lot of fun it, it does have sort of it has more of a well i suppose you could argue rogue scout is sort of that Legolas trope, but then again, Legolas might be more of a ranger because in Lord of the Rings, they're they're out walking around and walking and walking. Okay. Insert all the memes from the early two thousands here, right? They're the old, the old, outdated memes. I'm trying to think of some other off the top of my head. I think I think the point here, the point is here. that the Rogue yeah. Scout probably should have been the ranger. <laughs> yeah, that is what they were going for, but then they accidentally. That's the TLDR. Yeah, they accidentally put it all into a more beloved, more versatile class, but the versatility is what they could have got there. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now... The third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Three, two.
Harley Quinn? Harley fucking Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogur. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not fuck bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. In a world of stereotypes, being called a geek comes with a certain image. There is still that ingrained thing within me that is a little bit embarrassed about it. In reality, geek culture has never been more mainstream, and behind every geek is a real story. My dad was the one who got me into Star Wars and things. Join me, your super dummy Paul, as I continue my learning experience and talk to the real people. I'm a secondary school teacher, so I teach 11 to 16 year olds in English. Hear their stories exclusively on fantastic universes. He's one of them like, you've ever gonna grow up? And I'm like, no, why should I? I, I like my life, I, I enjoy what I do, this is my hobby. Available on all your favorite podcast catchers. Hi, my name's Steve, and I'm here to tell you all about the DC Comics News Podcast. Every week, my friends and I sit down and discuss everything DC. Movies, TV and streaming, comic books, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Whatever the case, you can find the DC Comics News Podcast on every podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere else you find podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. 
to talk about my favorite class. Oh, your favorite class. Well, I think it's very important for me to sort of address the final three classes of the player's handbook as somewhat of a trifecta. Um, when I started DMing for people in my university, which is where I sort of became a fully formed human being, as if I were to be honest with myself, um, I had to explain the difference between uh, sorcerer and wizard to some people. Newbies, it's fine. Oh my. It's, it's adorable. <laughs> but I used the old adage, and I hate to have to use um, gendered terms here, but I've got to. Uh, the way to describe the difference between uh, sorcerer warlock and wizard is mm -hmm. the old adage of some men are born great some men achieve greatness some men have greatness thrust upon them Ooh, i like that i like that it's, a lot it's a very easy way to explain the difference uh sorcerers are born great because the magic is inherently a part of their biology some men achieve greatness that is the wizard they spend their lives studying their magic to the best of their ability some men have greatness thrust upon them because warlocks just have, like, Cthulhu Daddy just come in from the sky and be like, here, have these tentacles. So, okay. So, I also have three. Uh, okay, here we go. Sorry. Yeah. Very excited for the last three classes here. <clears throat> That's all good. That's all good. I support that. In Yes. <laughs> Heck yes. In the same vein, okay, we have again being born with greatness which sidebar is kind of like the anime the anime trope of the greatness is within you uh you know sorceress <laughs> sorceress john use your powers to overcome adversity and you do the dbz power up with the sorcerer sorceress or sorcerer you know and you're you're increasing your power level there's a lot of it there's a lot of anime tropes and memes that can go along with with the sorcerer, like the power was within you the whole time. The power uh, that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The power of anime and friendship. Um, but the sorcerer mechanically, mechanically, it is absolutely my favorite, my favorite class. Ooh. Mechanically though, as far as personally, the wizard is at least my favorite spellcaster. Yes for my personal beliefs and goals. My hot take is that I would, the wizard would be my number one favorite class if the wizard had metamagic. I love the idea. I love the idea of, I know, here we go, hot takes. I love the idea of the wizard learning everything from scratch because that's, I think I relate to that deeply and personally but when i play dungeons and dragons having that meta magic is a, a lot more fun for me personally as a player mechanically even though i think i would much rather prefer to play a self-made woman okay. myself with the meta magic is just too good it's way too it's too good to pass up eventually i will play a wizard just to satisfy my own personal philosophies and beliefs on life, but yeah. for now, uh, with one of my with one of my first long term spellcasters in a long persistent campaign, the Ravnica game, I am playing a you're gonna like this. I'm playing a Demir, aberrant mine sorceress assassin rogue, uh, <laughs> who has infiltrated the Simic. Uh, uh there's there's a lot of there's a lot of edgy memes going on there right that's the huh but 
it's a lot of fun for me. Everybody seems to enjoy the character. I enjoy the character. She is also uh, dating a Golgari. So she has this really incredible, wholesome lesbian romance with <laughs> a Golgari, basically one of the right hands of Vraska. And we had to work our way up there, right? It wasn't something that was part of her backstory. It's something that we have kind of achieved at level eight now, level eight or nine. I think level eight. You yeah. would think I would know my own level, that, level that eight. Levels and numbers. Um, <laughs> level eight. Yeah. Just working through um, the but, renown in the, in the yeah. guild, yeah. Uh, it took us, you know, up to that point to be able, you know, to complete several missions for the guild houses, including the Kulgari Queen. But right, it's just it's this really wholesome romance that they have, and the apparent mind sorcerer with the Cthulhu stuff from the warlock without having to sacrifice the spell slots for playing a warlock. I still have that flavor of Eldritch Tentacle Daddy stuff going on, and I get everything I want mechanically. And as far as the story, I also kind of fill in all those blanks, and it kind of made sense because she's playing a femme fatale. I was going to have her be a wizard rogue, but our, our DM was like, you know, probably a better idea if you're going for a femme fatale trope to do sorceress because you have all your charisma skills. And I had designed her as a charisma as a charisma character. Yeah, if you want so to be one a thing, wizard, you yeah. have to be an enchantment wizard, which may not work much. Works with Demir a bit, but sorcerer is still more right. spicy. Right. So it's I, I wanted to play the wizard because I wanted to be a self-made woman, but uh, it made more sense being a someone that had infiltrated the Simic that had sort of a lot of heavy body modifications to be a sorcerer. It just made sense for the story. So I'm like, let's go with let's go with sorcerer, sorceress. It makes sense with the Demir and the Simic stuff for the aberrant mind, uh, the, the lore behind the aberrant mind, especially with the Simic stuff. You're a femme fatale. She's basically a uh, she's a, a sexy crab lady. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, uh, but I'm just yeah. honoring the implications. Uh, well, uh, she has obviously the grappling appendage from uh, both Simic and all the stuff from a Barrett Mind with the tentacles and everything, and also one giant crab claw, very similar to Scorpia from. Even though I know she's a scorpion, uh, but very similar in style to Scorpio from She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Her crab claw, sort of this giant crab claw opens and you can see her hand in there kind of fused to the crab claw with okay. this sort of slimy uh, ichor just kind of dripping from the inside of the crab claw when you know she closes that. And she has her normal hand and the squid-like tentacle, the squid-like grappling appendage that she has wrapped around sort of goes over her shoulder and kind of around her waist and when she wants to so unleash like, it, it sorry, but, <laughs> yeah. but when it's resting it looks sort of like the boa that all of those femme fatale ladies sort of have that's yes so, that's so and good. this is hands down by a hundred miles the most fun i have ever played playing any character in dungeons and dragons wow. ever ever well 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 that is that is an honor truly uh so as someone who knows sort of <laughs> i mean no it is in a way you're choosing to put all of that all of that love onto that one character but um someone who knows wizards doesn't think i'm that important unfortunately not yet we're getting there <laughs> we're getting there as someone who knows you and me both ravnica lore quite well i do want to just ask what the 
can what the actual aberrant mind it's connecting the character's connecting to you know i don't really have an answer for that because we haven't delved that deep into the lore but this is actually look at this we're watching collaborative gameplay take place before our eyes perhaps you could give me a recommendation as that's, to that's the whole deal where that came Rav- from that's the whole deal because ravnica stuff that's pre-guilds it's like asking us okay tell us about the breed of dinosaurs that are super extinct and there's no fossils of them there's next to no real records the closest well, thing i could probably recommend would probably be the nephilim well the entire campaign is the nephilim campaign right we've been we've been trying to unearth and root out root out and destroy the cult of yore and their attempts to try and unleash the nephilim this entire campaign up to level eight and we've been doing a pretty good job of it though they have thwarted us at many many turns our dm is very good Uh, but the whole story is hunting down the cult of yore and stopping the nephilim from returning to ravnica and uh, throwing the world into chaos once more so exactly I i think we played a little loose with the apparent mind i think i think we we said it might have been the Demir being able to access certain ancient technology that maybe they should not be dabbling with, or certain ancient, I say technology, but ancient bioorganic stuff. Secrets. Yeah, stuff, exactly. Ancient bioorganic secret stuff research that they had used to, uh, with their own Simic contacts, create Elena Visaya, who is one of many, and my character is the culmination of decades of research and research projects trying to create the perfect femme fatale assassin and there are sort of uh, failed copies of me running around in the ravnican sewers oh lovely <laughs> which it's, is a great plot point it really is it's because I'm, I'm just because i'm trying to imagine where i left the last ravnica campaign that i ran for my partner and some friends it's because um i was able to like i'm not going to divulge two bigger plot points and stuff because I was able to tie it into the War of the Spark story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very eager to attempt to reconcile what's going on in your game and what was going on in my game. So yeah, that well, the good news is the good news is we're kind of kind of doing a you know two birds one stone thing here with the sorcerer and the wizard because we're talking about meta magic versus just the different schools of magic and how mechanically you know my opinion personally is that the sorcerer is far greater objectively as far as mechanics are concerned so that's something that we can argue that may be kind of a hot take but it is a hot to take me, but um, yeah meta magic is op that that that's my tldr no that's that's that's, that's, that's that's the distinction. But honestly, <laughs> I I do not like in terms of the people I have played with. I do not see them using it properly. I think it's a very large mechanic that has a lot of power to it, but it's still very complex that I think a lot of players that I'm used to mishandle. So mm-hmm. it's just a case of whether you want to uh, eliminate the target with a surgical sniper in the form of the sorcerer who can tailor their spells to exactly what they want it to do or if you want to just like blow them up with the very large fireball that you don't really need spell slots for with the wizard yeah and that's well that that's the good thing about the wizard is that you know they are pure 
casters and they are self-made individuals and <clears throat> getting the bonuses from excuse me <clears throat> getting the bonuses from the schools of magic they do have their benefits i like that it's simplified because at higher level play and by higher level play to me i mean like level seven and eight by that time your character sheet starts to get a little clouded and muddied with so much going on and if you have a pure wizard it's nice and neat it's contained you're a specialist it's right there and you're a self-made hero that is one thing i do like about the wizard the power of sorcerer is is that it fine tunes their spells they fine tune yes. their spells so heavily, but I think a lot of players, unless you're like hardcore like you and I, or like someone who plays it like round the clock, like some of the people in our community, <laughs> they will struggle. We're with... nerds. We Adam. Are, it's true. <laughs> we are nerds. Love it. Much love. I mean, like, much love I, for our fellow nerds. <laughs> I mean, like to, to go into the whole nerd talk, I don't know how to engage with non nerds anymore. There's maybe my. Same. Hey. It's maybe <laughs> my. Uh, Boom. Digital um, five. Boom. There we go. It may be just my own anxieties and uh, social problems here and there, but it, it may be just like me being out of practice talking to humans outside of a uh, pandemic world. But that's uh, so hard. It's so hard to talk to people. Uh, uh, work asked me to do a haiku, and I was like, I, I didn't have anything, and it was Thursday, so I did a critical role haiku. <laughs> I can't remember, but the, the the middle line was fresh cut grass and loudness sass, and then is it Thursday yet? But uh, loudness, by the way, that's mm. a good segue into mm. the lovely Marisha Ray oh, the lovely playing. Marisha Ray. A, she's sort of warlock, warlock, right? She's warlock yeah. sorcerer multiclass. Okay. Oh, Ooh. she was a warlock sorcerer multiclass. <gasps> Be still, my beating heart. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I um, despite the, uh, despite my own checks to to see whether or not her and i are related again i i appreciate nerds of all stripes because i don't know how to engage with non-nerd people yep in any case <laughs> uh, same <laughs> in any case warlocks depending on how you mm -hmm. want to skin them are somewhat of D's nerds because they know how to research very powerful things beyond time and space to get them phenomenal cosmic power Even adam are you saying that all nerds have the potential to unlock the secrets of the ancient eldritch deities and that we can potentially summon Cthulhu at any point because I like where you're going with this, and I want to talk more about it. I mean, I didn't not not I didn't not not say that uh, the beings that bring the powers. It's more than just tentacles. There's a um, quote unquote delightful fairy beings and uh, quote unquote insidious uh, fiends. Because uh, I I like playing with uh, tropes and expectations. I was the DM for a first-timer who wanted to play a fiend warlock, and I made their devil daddy, to quote her, uh, a very sympathetic and very reasonable character, whereas I like making my fae patrons the worst, because the court of the fae are not nice places. But in any case... Yeah, take it from a practicing witch, the fae is not something you want to mess with. I just saw a TikTok uh, that was... <laughs> <laughs> very uh I, I wish i could uh give you the exact name of the creator but it was like y'all don't want to mess with the fae stop trying to summon fairies into your house what the hell's wrong with you right uh because you don't want to mess with the fae right every every witch worth their salt knows you do not invite the fae into your house and it's the same in D, &D which as a practice uh, practicing witch an active practitioner practitioner i very much appreciate the D, &D love for the 
insidious nature of the face. They're not happy fairies. They're not, you know, forest gnomes and sprites and spirits. Uh, they are nasty, nasty creatures, and they will, they will rob you of everything that you love just for a laugh. Yep, they are capricious and changeable and dangerous. But I think that makes mm -hmm. them interesting in a way. Uh, well, speaking of spooky stuff and religious trauma, you want to talk about religious trauma again? Let's talk about the warlock. The We're warlock for me, yeah, the warlock for me was someone who has. Uh, suffered uh, or has has lived through an immense an immense amount of religious trauma over the course of you know my life as well as many 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 of my other friends with similar and much worse experiences to be honest um i was was lucky in that regard when i hear other stories but having the that's why i like eldritch horror so much and the ability to tap into that and to have people be afraid of your power and to have that immense surge of raw unlimited power there's the meme you know star wars meme you know uh, insert you know that here check off the bingo card whatever but that that immense surge of 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 just sort of feeling like you have someone who has got your back regardless of their and even regardless of their motives it's a gift right it's not something that they take away they kind of played around with that a little bit in Critical Role, which I think mechanically on paper, it, it's not quite how that works. It worked for their story. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I've done that in my stories before, too. It, it can work, you know, up to the DM's discretion. But I think mechanically, it's a gift, right? You can do whatever whatever in the game. And I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in the text, in official Wizards text somewhere, it says that regardless of how you treat or deal with your patron mechanically, your skills and abilities are supposed to remain because it's a gift that's bestowed upon you from the patron in hopes that you will serve that patron. And again, we know with Ford that they dabbled around with that, they remedied that, and they you know gave Ford a new matron. But just having that, having that raw power in things that were considered evil or dark, uh, and Spinning that however you will, whether or not you want to have your character to have a redemption arc, or whether or not you play a morally gray or just a flat-out evil character. Defying those conventional tropes. Uh, you know, throwing throwing your warlocks in the face of all that we have learned, you know, all that we had learned in the 90s about uh, you know, just avoiding you know, avoiding Satanism and devil worship and the satanic panic and uh you know, certain codes of morality that, you know, were used to abuse minorities, having this, having this, this entity that says no, uh, and just smash all the tropes. We're, we're doing this, right? We're playing, we're playing the somewhat evil trope, like let's go. I think that's part of the joy of Dungeons and Dragons as a whole, because you create the characters and the narratives. You can put a lot of your own struggles and baggages into this as it, relieves it as you cathartically deal with the problems of the past with the powers that these characters have and something else i think is really good is having access to lots and lots and lots of magical power which is something that yes. uh, i think <laughs> is the only thing that warlock truly misses but it's a warlock supplements itself by being able to handle itself in a fight and getting all of the the old cannons and the uh, invocations and stuff but having access to all of the magic that's mm. done by thousands of years of study by being a nerd in the library or is it? Um, 
the aside that I was mentioning earlier about the anecdote from a uh, from a dungeon master I really respect. As a dungeon master, do you progress characters with milestones or with XP? Milestones. Correct answer. Because if you progressed your characters just with combat XP, wizard schools would operate like this. Uh, welcome to the 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 ancient scroll fort. This is a prestigious magical academy. On lesson one, we're going to the Thunder Caves to the north to slay some goblins. Wait, what? I thought we were here to study. Yes, we're studying. We're studying practical applications of magic. If you want, to, if you want to be an actual wizard, you've got to go out and blast things. You must you must destroy it. because if you're doing combat XP when you're a wizard, like you've got to use your spells to blow shit up. That's how it works. You've got that's how it rolls, and it's why that's why combat XP for progression just does not make sense. <laughs> I've heard this before. Yeah, it's from Brendan Lee Mulligan, but still, I want to yep. address this because Brendan Lee Mulligan is an absolute treasure. That he's a treasure that needs to be held in the same conversation as Chris Perkins and Matthew Mercer. I will I will stand on that hill, like. In the real world, people don't grow through conflict. You learn through conflict, but you grow through mistakes and iteration. Yes. The achieving greatness, the the person, the person who, because we're, we're we're both educated, we both suffered the degree process, and that's something I never. And education is something I never want to go back to. Um, it's a it's a it's a process I can really relate to, just like mastery and hewing, and just like building yourself up as an adventurer so it's something that works well and the archetypal gandalf dumbledore sort of figures will always draw people into the fantasy genre i think my tldr is that playing a self-made man woman or non-binary individual is just it's appealing it's like you are the reason that you have achieved this power and it makes us think hey if we ever discover like the lost tome of magic you or I could be wizard practitioners, right? <laughs> it's true, because they have to apply immense amounts of efforts. Uh, I think all three of the big arcane classes do, but they do it through the very different ways they've all acquired their magic. And of course, School of Necromancy for the Edgelords among us, myself included, I am guilty of it. Let's go. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing no wrong. shame. No shame. Fully embracing it. Truly, no shame. Uh, then again, that one my my first time I ever played a wizard, I played a uh, a very eager uh, divination wizard who only ever spoke in future tense. Ooh, okay, all right. Yes, uh, Dibbler will be with you just in just a moment. They say walking at the same time. Dibbler will be uh, reading like this. That. Dibbler will be reading this. It's it's it 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 will be fun. What will it will be fun? But in any case, we have finished the quest. We have in a class above the rest uh to those who may have noticed we are omitting our sophisa because it's not something that everybody has access to it was something proven in uh eberron and tashes but the cardinal 12 classes that have been through practically every other edition of dungeons dragons up to now has been given our due love and attention wouldn't you say friend absolutely and we can always have a separate podcast on artificer 2 to talk about the uh the fun shenanigans I feel like that ensue there yeah, I feel like we could probably talk about them if we get to like supplemental books, steampunk, mm -hmm. something. They're, they're, they're yeah, I've just got the original PHB in my hands right now. Yeah, that's it. Nice and simple. Nice and simple. We've covered its contents quite closely, and we'll be back at you in a good couple of weeks' time talking about other things here on the Hostile Takeover. But until such time, uh, shameless plugs activate. Essie, my good pal, where can our dear listeners find you and your workings? All right. Thank you. I love the shameless plug. 
Shameless. Uh, no, so you can uh, catch us on Twitch uh, on alternating Saturdays at twitch.tv slash ESPDND, and as in Nitro, like D&D Beyond. So twitch.tv slash ESPDND. We're currently playing a an actual play live stream of Tomb of Annihilation, which is just so much fun. Uh, we're playing a morally gray evil campaign, so super edgy stuff, right, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, there's one of the players is a is a, a patron, a champion of uh, Vecna. The other player is a champion of one of the Eldritch Horrors, right? This sexy tentacle lady we call Tentacle Fish Mom, right? It's just an absolute joy. They're about to enter the tomb. They're hunting for the last puzzle cube. They're in the Lost City of Omu. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. We love interacting uh, with those who come to hang out with us. There's a lot of ways you can do that as well. And there's some ways that you can affect the game uh, directly through both channel points and through uh, our Patreon. So there's a lot of ways that you can literally, quite literally, directly affect and change the course of the game. And we're amplifying that when we do our Heaven's Fire homebrew campaign in January. So stay tuned for that. The VODs you can find on YouTube, youtube.com slash C for creator slash ESP Aaron with a Y, Spencer Productions. So Aaron with a Y, youtube.com slash C slash ESP Aaron Spencer Productions. And quite literally, anywhere, anywhere you search, anywhere you can find podcasts by typing in ESP D&D or ESP Aaron Spencer Productions or Aaron Spencer Podcast, you'll be able to find us. But YouTube and Twitch are our two big ones. So check us out there. And then, of course, with more shameless plugs, Please go and direct your attention to the lovely Is It Tinkerer. Wondrous things indeed. All of those handy links will be found down below for your viewing pleasure. But as for little old me, find my written content on the founder and forger of this show, The Hostile Takeover, on fantasticuniverses.com. We cover news reviews and interviews all across popular culture, comic books, gaming, hard-hitting, uh, hard-hitting fiction, and everything in between. We've got quite a few interesting developments in the world of manga thanks to kodansha and they're showing us our love and support uh for further dungeons and dragons related written content from little old me look to the apotheosis studios blog where i write monsters feats spells items and other things to level up your ttrpg experience and for digital card game appreciators look to runeterracccg.com for my deck reviews deck guides and other takes on the league of legends card game metagame for viewing pleasure, look to The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube for my old PC Let's Plays and to twitch.tv forward slash isittinkerer for my live gameplay. And again, back to YouTube, I have much content. Look to No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons & Dragons Let's Plays with the lovely ladies of No Ordinary Heroes. But in any case, <laughs> I am grateful to have such a good friend talking Dungeons & Dragons with little old me right here on The Hostile Takeover Podcast. Likewise wondrous stuff thank you for listening and until next time live free and play well Bye.